The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hey everybody, it's Mark Kelly here, Chief Customer Officer and Co-Founder of Aldis. Hope you're doing really well wherever you are in the world. Today we are chatting with Larry Lemu. Larry is Practice Head of the UK Business of Deloitte. Thank you very much for joining us on the show, Larry. Hey Mark, thanks for having me. So we had the opportunity of meeting, God, it's be a year now at the ServiceNow World Forum in London at the time. And you know, boy, so much has actually changed within that. And we'll sure we'll go into a little bit more detail as the podcast goes on. But how did you come into the world of ServiceNow? Yeah, it was kind of a funny way. I got into it in the back door, I guess. So I was working as an infrastructure architect. My background was in kind of end user compute support servers, stuff like that. And I was working as an architect at a bank in the US and I was trying to automate some server builds at the time. And I was trying to use other tools, things like SharePoint wasn't going very well. Someone suggested to me that you could try to do this in ServiceNow. And at the time I had no idea that was even the thing, right? I thought it was just for tickets. This was 2011 back in the day. And sure enough, got my hands on ServiceNow, started to do some forms, started to do some code. And really took to it before you knew it a couple of years i was the platform lead for the bank we grew the team massively started to have a huge queue of things on the platform and it just took off from there so it's been over over 10 years now and doing lots of things not just kind of it hr and things you'd expect but we were building a lot of things on the platform like actual financial workflows for the bank international monetary transfers loan servicing credit card servicing and stuff like that I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about that. Your role at Deloitte, you know, very, very diverse, wearing a lot of different hats across a variety of different industries. Can we go into a little bit more detail about how you're helping customers with you and your team? So everyone at Deloitte certainly wears a lot of different hats. So I serve as the UK practice lead for ServiceNow, but I'm also the UK lead for the financial services industry, as well as one of the members of the global financial services industry team for ServiceNow. So as the UK lead, I'm responsible for hiring, sales, what do we sell, who do we sell to, who do we hire, all these kind of things. But I also have a huge team behind me. And then, of course, for the industry side, much more focused on the actual like go to market. So I'll be the one present in proposals, doing proposals, doing pitches, trying to meet new clients, stuff like that. And then I also serve as the kind of product owner right now for financial services operations. So Deloitte was the lead launch partner for that product when they first launched it with ServiceNow. And we were one of the, the top partners for that particular product. Tell us a little bit about some of the trends that are happening in the financial sphere at the moment in time. And I appreciate every customer is going to have their own unique challenges. But are there certain trends that you're noticing that you're helping you and your team are helping with? The financial services industry has kind of had been in the same pattern for a long time post the financial crisis of the late 2000s, 
interest rates have been extremely low, which has been great for customers trying to get mortgages and stuff like that. But for the banks, they've had to really pivot because historically they made a lot of money off of those products and now that money dried up. So they were relying on things like fee income, creating new, acquiring insurance and stuff like that. So there's been a big change there. In the last six months or so, obviously that's starting to pivot around. But because of the way that things had changed, a lot of the focus had gone into kind of leaning out the business, cost savings, stuff like that, as well as the big competition from the fintechs. So the cost to acquire customers was getting tougher. The the cost to retain customers was getting tougher, especially in the UK, for instance, with the ability to do current account switching and stuff like that. It's actually even much harder to retain customers than it is in, in, in the US and other places. So. There's been a lot of focus on making sure that the business is lean, the costs are low, and it's hard to do that while also making sure that the service remains either the same or even gets better. And I think ServiceNow is one of the few things out there that you can put in there and say, we can actually reduce the cost, but quite likely also get you better outcomes. So that's been really key for us selling selling ServiceNow out in the market. It's good to get that context because people who aren't in that world may not understand some of the challenges that people actually have to have in those fintechs. But I suppose it's really helping those banks become better at what they do and become a more laser focused on some of the problems that they have and ensuring, because I'm guessing there's a lot of technical debt in some of those kind of large organizations that they have to manage and maintain. And, and you know, it can get very bureaucratic very quickly, I would have, would have thought. Within certain case studies that come to mind, if you had a few in terms of what the challenges were, and then talk us through how you helped support and some of the outcomes that can justify the return on investment of utilizing the platform. I think one of the biggest things that you, you see in a bank is there are quite a lot of, so if you look at banks, especially the ones who've been around for 20, 30, 40, 100 plus years, a lot of their processes evolved over time. And quite often that means they kind of evolved in pockets. There'll be some parts of the business that are extremely digital, very lean, other parts of the business that are still extremely manual. And quite a lot of things that used to get done by someone walking up to a branch or making a phone call are still handled in that kind of fashion where they're just taken into a list of things to get done and handed off to a group of people. The shared mailbox is one of the big things quite a lot of processes at banks and insurance companies still go into a shared mailbox where someone grabs that and starts working on it. Obviously, this is a big problem when you're trying to be as efficient as possible because a shared mailbox is really inefficient. There's no way to really track who's doing what, if someone's already taken something, how long this has taken overall, how many different people have touched it before it gets fixed. And all of those problems are solved by taking something like that and putting it into service now. So we have a few different customers who are doing this on financial services operations. One of them in particular was handling a regulatory process around being able to speak back and forth with the UK police and court systems. So they have to have a secure way of being able to do this. And they have certain kind of service level agreements that they have to meet to be sure that you know the conduct authority or someone comes and says they need to give them a list of transactions or freeze an account or something like that. How do we be sure that's actually happening? So we went to this customer with the solution of doing that in FSO, built an intake form that's extremely secure, that's out there, the UK police, the courts can use it, but also third party solicitors can use it. 
and they can go and then register their request there. And unlike sending an email and not really knowing where it goes, they can at any time log into that portal and see exactly where that is. We've done several phases of this. So the first one was really about taking in and showing the status of those projects to the kind of people who were submitting them to make sure that the, regulation, the regulations were met. We've done some follow-ups on that, improving the visuals, the dashboards, making it a little bit efficient to use. And then we've done a follow-on to that now where we're fulfilling a lot of the workflow things that need to be done for those requests through automation. Um, there's several clients that you're seeing very similar things like this. One of the big ones that's posted out by ServiceNow is at Lloyd's Bank. So they used to do a very similar thing if someone made a payment and error. You know, I meant to send 100 pounds to my mom. I actually sent it to my uncle instead. Can you please reduce the error, uh, fix this transaction? That again used to go into a shared mailbox. The process would generally take something like two weeks. That was then put into ServiceNow, put into an automated workflow got that down to two days. The bank then continued to do process mining and stuff like that on it, was able to reduce that down to two days. And now I've been told recently, they reduced it down to just hours or minutes, depending on the case. So by putting things like that into service now and having that visibility, you can then start to crank the wheel and say, how do we get more and more out of this until you really got into a really full streamed pro a streamlined process. You are listening to the Aldis Podcast. When you're looking to scale your team or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. You can imagine how you just do not have that accountability with the shared mailbox and duplication of efforts have you got this? Who's got that? And then if people go on annual leave, for example, who's taking it over? And then who's got access to that information? So the example of going from two weeks down to two days, the customer experience is greatly improved because, you know, when it comes to money, people get very anxious very quickly. And I know you gave the example of your uncle versus your aunt or your granny, for example. But what if it goes over to a separate account where you just you've no visibility of who that person is, where you're paying a, you're a utility provider? So then when you also look that, take that into you've got that dashboard where you can actually track what's happening in real time. So you feel like you're actually moving towards goals and you're actually on a journey or destination, then you can actually use process mining as well to analyze all these different areas to, to improve either further. Is there any other case studies that come to mind? There's a lot of different ones. So we have one in Australia where we have a bank that does a lot of white label services. So they resell their services, other people put their name on top of it. We built a portal for them so that all of the requests between those two organizations, the business to business conversations, all happen through ServiceNow. And one thing as well that I, I forgot to mention about this is ServiceNow is the only product out there that is a Gartner top tier in both kind of low code and workflow, as well as risk management. So I'm doing right now a big risk management deploying at, uh, deployment at one of the big international investment banks. And you can now, because of ServiceNow's capability to do that, think of all those processes I talked about, like the court orders or the payments issues, all of those are going to have tons of different regulatory controls and stuff like that that are attached to them. And most banks and most insurance companies, et cetera, are then doing point in time audits. So, you know, quarterly, yearly audits or something like that of the controls around those. Because ServiceNow is a top tier GRC platform built in it, 
you can actually automate all of those controls too. So not only do you have the customer very happy, you can then get the regulators very happy because you can see in real time the exact status of everything that's going on and all of those, whether you're in compliance or you're not, without having to spend so much effort every whatever quarter or period it is for you to recompile all of that truth and figure out whether or not you met it or not. You've also got the history log so people can always keep yeah. referring back to it. You've got one source of the truth as well and allows you for the next best action. So it just makes it just it extremes so many different situations. I'd love to know how much time is actually saved from not even have to just recalibrate and get all that information again because you've got that foundation built so you don't have to actually kind of reinvent the wheel each time. Exactly. And it's going to go up an even a further level with the generative AI stuff that's coming in. So you can imagine the amount of time that's spent doing things like case summaries. So if we have a very sensitive, let's say a court order thing, as I mentioned before, that come through, there may be some execs that want some kind of custom reporting to come out of that. Someone has to read through all those logs to figure out exactly why and how everything happened. Generative AI can read through that whole case and then summarize it up for you save you a massive amount of time to do that. As well, one of the big problems I used to have whenever I was trying to go to a customer and help them automate something is quite often the inputs are not as good as you want them to be. It's not easy to, the person hasn't put the data in a structured way or something like that. The generative AI will be able to read back against the, exi the existing data as well as the intention of what the person says and then be able to fill some of those holes that weren't there. So there's gonna be massive amounts of time saved, like chasing back and forth. You didn't give me this, you didn't give me that, because you can start to infer it from past data and kind of intention. And then you could also, you know, you mentioned the case summarization. You can also then help you write a case, write a response. So obviously the human's in the loop in terms of we'll tweak it, but it can help you write a response, template it, a few different options, send it across. And again, that's saving time and energy is get, and then that's tracked. So you, you've got, and if you train that model, you've got so many different opportunities to do that. And what people can underestimate is you're not going to have it all on one system. A lot of the times there could be two, three or four disparative systems that employee has to go and open up and log, go through. And these systems that can be particularly slow, add in some Wi-Fi issues. And it can be a very labor intensive process when you've got one system that's tracking and it's actually easy to use and maintain and then e easy to actually for, to navigate for the employee. The customer experience goes up 10 to, 10 to 20 fold. You can imagine and the lovely thing about this is, although we're talking about financial services, you can apply that to any industry because there's, sim there, there's similar challenges, similar concerns, but they've just got different names. So it's, a, it's wonderful how you can take that then. Obviously, in financial services or courts, it's heavily regulated. It has to be for a good reason, but you can still take the nook of that and actually apply it. Where do you see the platform evolving? We were brought at knowledge. We studied opportunities. And I came, I was blown away by the Starbucks example where they're talking about new features. They also talk about case summarization. Generative AI looks to be firmly on the radar and roadmap in terms of the projects across the modules. Can you see any particular insights that are jumping out to you for the next kind of 12, 24 months? Yeah, I think the uptake of the generative AI will be interesting. You hear some people are very bullish about it. Some people are very bearish about it. They say 
This is just going to be more opportunity for people who are untrained to start trying to do things on the platform that maybe they they shouldn't be doing. We'll create more sprawl that the admins will have to clean up. Then you have the people who say, I can now just type in, I want this to have one form with two approvals that go here, there, and it just does it for you. That makes it very interesting for obviously service our partners like us because we're waiting to see how that's going to change our engagements with clients. How are we going to have to reshape our teams? Are we going to, for instance, of course, most of the big companies leverage a lot of the offshore delivery centers. Will we need as much of that? We don't know. There's going to be a lot of changes around that. And I think ServiceNow is starting to see, if you look at their past quarter and the results and stuff like that, they're starting to see some payoff now on the, indus- the kind of industry strategy, the industry verticals, which I personally think is the most important thing that's going to be happening in ServiceNow in the next few years. So when I joined Deloitte, I was the first one to join in the financial services team in the UK. And one of the reasons that I did that was because of Deloitte's historic kind of skill set in the financial services industry, because I really believe that going forward in the next even five, 10 years, the verticalization strategy is going to be really important for ServiceNow and having the breadth of skills, not just in the technical part, which is frankly getting easier and easier over time. I remember 10 years ago arguing at a snug with Pat Casey, the CTO of ServiceNow, about how patches were taking down my system and stuff like that. None of that stuff, like most people now can do their upgrades with hardly really any problems. So the technical bit keeps getting easier and easier. The business bit is the part that we're going to have to really start to dig into. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And it brings in so many people who don't have a technical background, but are problem solvers who just want to use the technology in an innovative way to just deliver the projects. And this is is so exciting, Citizen. Citizens are a citizen zero and low code, no code. This is where it's going and more people are going to be reached by it. And it's a particularly interesting time. And if you look at business leaders, they want less distraction across their business. They want to be able to do that next best action and they want to be able to do it in a way that's straightforward for business. And remember Bill at Knowledge was saying AI for business, let's start to utilize, let's put it in. There's obviously still a long way to go where it becomes just off the shelf. There's obviously kind of some teething issues that they're going to have to manage through as, as well. But it's a pretty fascinating time, to say the least. It'd be interesting to see if we chat next next 12 months from now to see what's actually changed and what case studies come to market. Larry Lomu, practice leader for Deloitte UK. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.allthis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.